This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Uh, so I got a box of four different Magic Spoon cereals in the mail this week, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry, and it was uh, the highlight of my week. When I was a child, I was only allowed to eat nice cereal on the weekends because in those days they hadn't figured out how to make cereal both nice and healthy yet. Uh, so the past few days I've been able to defy my parents and delight my child at the same time just by eating Magic Spoon's amazing frosted flavor, which reminds me of the only two days out of every week that I was ever truly happy as a boy. Um, now, it doesn't say this in the copy here, uh, which is honestly a little bit irresponsible, um, but in the interest of safety, I do want to just kind of spell out for everyone uh, that you shouldn't just open every box you come across just because sometimes there's nice cereal inside it. Uh, for instance, the Lament configuration is also a box you can find. Uh, based on the very few Hellraiser movies I've seen, sometimes you have to spend a lifetime looking for it, but sometimes it's just hidden in the floorboards of your attic. And if you carelessly open that box, you will be introduced to a world of pleasure and pain beyond anything the human mind can imagine. Um, so I want to be really clear here. If you're certain that what you have is a magic spoon delivery box, do open that. It tastes amazing, it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Uh, but if you think there's any chance at all that the box you have might be the Lament configuration from Hellraiser, don't open that. It doesn't taste like anything, and usually Pinhead and an army of ill-begotten abominations called Cenobites will come out of it and pull you into a labyrinthine dimension of torment and agony. Go to magicspoon.com slash babysitters to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code babysitters at checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash babysitters and use the code babysitters for free shipping. Uh, we want to thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. And again, just so it's absolutely crystal clear delicious boxes of breakfast food that will take you back to your childhood yes diabolical puzzle boxes that will open a portal to an army of extra-dimensional beings who will mercilessly flay your flesh no be safe out there in 86 nm martin wrote the first book of what became a cult you ready, my man? I'm ready. Hello and willkommen auf der Babysitters Club Club, episode five, Fünf. in which we are talking about Dawn and the Impossible Three, the fifth book. That holds. Yeah. If it's episode five. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Oh, let me try again. No, just say your name. I'm trying to move this episode at a clip because it's very late at night. Don't you dare. What's your name? My name is Jack Shepard. My name is Tanner Greenring. And what are we doing here, my man? Talking about the Babysitter's Club. Is this new, this episode, or is this something that we do? Is no, this... you've already introduced it. We, they've already, you've already gone through this. It's episode five. We're talking about book five, Dawn of the Terrible Three. Dawn is a new babysitter in the club. She was just introduced in the last book. Now she gets her own title. Okay. Terrible three, as expected, are three children. Oh, wow. You're just jumping into it, huh? I mean, what else, man? Your attitude today. You're forcing me to do You know what time it is right now? Look, I'm going to look at my watch. Yeah. It is 23.13. Right. I say 23.13. Oh, you've, you've already taken on the trappings of a young Berlin. It, because 
Jack and I are in Berlin for work. That's true. And we are trying to acclimate. It is a Sunday evening. Yeah, it's And we're tough. trying to acclimate to the time zone around here. And staying up late recording a podcast yeah. doesn't seem like the best way to get over our jet lag. But, but here we are. Nonetheless, here we are. <laughs> um, a little context for people who have not been following along for five episodes. Yeah. Go back at- and listen to the first four. What are you doing? Your Why attitude. would you start at episode five? Why? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes people want to dip in and see what's going on. Well, if you've dipped in thus far, I suggest you go listen to the first four because it really sets the scene. Okay. Well, for those who haven't, I'm yeah. going to explain why we're doing this. I, at the age of seven, through a series of mishaps and misunderstandings, ended up reading all of these classic, classic novels by Anne M. Martin. So I have a deep connection to The Babysitter's Club. Tanner's story, on the other hand, is uh, much more tragic. What's it going to be this week? Do you want to you want to share it with? Uh, no, I want to see what you can pull out of your ass. As as you will know from having listened to the last four episodes, uh, Tanner's family. This is actually really sad. Tanner's family uh, was all killed by a violent uh, babysitting gang, <laughs> like uh, in Clockwork Orange. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so Tanner has this very, very strange and difficult relationship with babysitters. And I think these books are a way for him to come to grips with what he's suffered and what he's struggled through. It's really confront my phobias head on, man. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, I say, that's the best way to do it. It's incredibly brave. Yeah. You're an inspiration. Thank you. Have I ever told you that? You tell me that every day of my life. Okay, good. Well, let's talk about this book. It's called Dawn and the Impossible Three. Yeah, the Impossible Three is three kids. And boy, was this book not impossible to read. <laughs> Stupid. Go it was an easy read. <laughs> yeah, go it ahead. It was an easy read. I powered through this one. Let me describe what happens in the book real quick. <laughs> this is my favorite bit where you describe what happens in the book and then you make me describe what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good segment. It's yeah. so we don't double up. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Uh, so after an acrimonious divorce, the mysterious, beautiful, leggy... <laughs> Mrs. Barrett, uh-huh. no first name. Yeah, ooh, <laughs> moves to Stony Brook <laughs> to try to pick up the pieces of her life. Yeah, everything seems to be going well until a meddling group of babysitters, yeah, show up at her house and basically treat her like a child and harass her until she has nothing left. Yeah, that's what you got from this. That's my take. Okay, you want to try to describe the book? I'm going to give you 60, 60 seconds. Yeah. Can you do this? Yep. Look, you're gonna you're gonna need to get a little higher energy, my man. No, I got it. I got it. Are you ready? Yep. All right, let's go. What happens in this book, Tanner? Dawn is new to town. She started taking on gigs. She's taken on a gig with a woman named Mrs. Barrett, who's also new to town, trying to find a job, recently divorced, not getting along with her husband, Mr. Barrett. She has three kids. I don't remember their names. One of them's name is Buddy. One of them's name is Margot, maybe. I don't remember. Marnie and Susie. Marnie and Susie. Uh, They are wild, rambunctious kids. Um, They... Uh, have chocolate allergies and they're not allowed to talk to their dad but Mrs. Barrett is neglectful and didn't tell Dawn any of this so Dawn is flying blind also her house is a fucking wreck and Dawn has to clean it every time she goes over there and her kids become dependent on Dawn even though Dawn isn't their mom uh, Mrs. Barrett's their mom (sighs) Buddy goes missing at some point Uh, it turns out that Mr. Barrett the estranged husband kidnapped him and there's a Countywide search before it's revealed that Mr. Barrett has Buddy. Buddy comes back. Dawn and Mrs. Barrett get along. Dawn is going to continue to be their babysitter. One. 
and that's it. That's a wrap. That's actually pretty accurate. You missed some subplots with Christy. Unimportant. But that's the bulk of this. There was one subplot with Christy, and it was Christy is helping Don redecorate Marianne's room. Yeah, but that's not the subplot. The subplot isn't about her, I mean, the, that's a the, room decoration. It's not about... What's the opposite of subtext? Yeah, the subplot is about their friendship and whether or not... Christy is incredibly... Ju- Christy and Marianne are best friends. Yeah. They have been their whole lives. They have been their whole lives. And Don is, frankly, a lot smarter than Christy, a lot better looking than Christy, a lot more fun, and a lot She's more interesting than Christy. She's got corn here. She's from California. <laughs> she eats tofu. She eats tofu. And she like, and she and her mom can't understand why no one wants to eat their like weird California salads. They're like, oh, we have a tofu salad with uh, chia seeds on it. And everyone in Stony Brook is like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? fuck did you just feed me? Don has to confront Mrs. her mom Porter. about it at some point. She's throwing yeah. a barbecue and she's like, we don't have enough tofu salad. <laughs> and Don's like, mom, can we just get hamburgers for fuck's sake? I'm trying to fit in here. And you're feeding everyone sunflower seeds and goddess dressing. I think it's great. I actually identified with Don's mom a lot in this book for those reasons. Because you're vegan. Because I'm a vegan. I'm not sure we've brought it up on the podcast before. No, I have. One time you went to go get your food. Yeah, I know, because I edited that one. Did you leave the part where I... Yeah, I left it in. This is a podcast that's about truth. Yeah. We're not hiding anything. You're vegan. Yeah. Okay. How does that feel? Great, man. I love it. How have you been getting along in Berlin as a vegan? surprisingly well. It's a fairly Berlin is a vegan paradise. By total coincidence, we're staying in Airbnb, and we happen to stay right next to a lovely little fast food joint called Yellow Sunrise. We can't really read German menus, but we got something from it today called Party Balls. (laughs) Yeah, Party Balls. And they were fucking great. Yeah, they were great. I'm going to stop in on my way into work tomorrow and say, I want all the Party Balls. (laughs) Buy a bunch of Party Balls for the office. Yeah. And be like, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I'll show up at 8.30 a.m. with deep fried I brought party balls. (laughs) (laughs) Just start throwing them into people's open mouths across the room. All right. Well, do you want to just, you want to dive right into the biblical symbolism in this? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I mean, I feel like that's the obvious route into this book. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, um, I I obviously didn't catch um, a ton of it, but uh, I'm happy for you to sort of take the reins out of the gate here. Okay, sure. The title of the book is Dawn and the Impossible Three. Oh, shit. Virgin virgin parent. Oh, come on. I got that part. Dawn becomes a surrogate brood wife for Mrs. Barrett. Dawn is obviously a, a young virginal woman. Okay. And so you actually wrote down is, that Dawn is the Virgin Mary? I didn't, but... I got there once you said biblical allegories. Great. Well, I just feel like the, this book is about somebody struggling with the impossible three, which is to me is a very, very transparent <laughs> metaphor for the Trinity. God, the Holy Ghost, and Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you could rename the Bible struggling with the impossible three, <laughs> and it would scan. Okay. The, I mean, but that's just literally at the title level. I want you to quickly hit your point about how this is a biblical allegory. Okay. And then I want to look through my notes okay. and quiz you on how the things I've captured relate to the Bible. Great. Okay. Well, the obvious thing that jumped out to me, did you notice Mrs. Barrett's age? Was it 33? Yeah. Whoa. The age Jesus was when he died? Yes. Oh, well, not died, ascended. Uh, yes. Mrs. Barrett is 33, which is the age of Christ's death. Also, the divine name appears 33 times in Genesis, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and in numerology, 33 is the numerical representation of the word amen. 
Okay. Uh, 33 also kind of unrelatedly is the highest degree of Freemasonry. <laughs> Which we know. Which we know. Because our first night here, we went out with some friends <laughs> and had a few too many bevies uh-huh. and came home and did a deep dive. A real deep dive. On YouTube. Yeah. Into... I I was hoping we were going to talk about flat earth theory. Into the flat earth yeah. theory. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you and I... I wouldn't say we're convinced, but we're not sheep anymore. We're not sheep. No. Yeah. yeah. There's there's something to it. Can I read you a quote from the book? Yeah. And can I have you find a way to relate it to the, the good book? Yeah, it's all in there. Marnie scrunched up her face and wrinkled her nose. That's the ham face, Buddy informed me. She only makes it when she's happy. What specific passage <laughs> from the Bible does the ham face refer to? The ham face? Yeah. Ham face being related to pigs or swine, mm-hmm. which uh, are the sinners. I feel like you're grasping. No. Okay. I think this is very, very clear. If we haven't accepted the truth, mm-hmm. uh, we are but ham-faced sinners. <laughs> Actually, wait. The ham face means she's happy, right? Yeah. I said uh, That was part of the quote. Okay. <laughs> well, that's not everything has to have something to do with... So the your thing. your thing is already falling apart. It's not everything in the book relates to this theme. It's just the literal title. Okay. Let's get into bizzing. Oh, let's get into bizzing. Okay. Within the next 30 seconds, seven kids were crying and seven kids were bizzing and grinning. Yeah. Marnie, it says, parenthetical, Marnie was making the ham face. <laughs> yeah. The ham face is interesting. There's all this stuff about the masks we wear in this book. <laughs> no, there's not. Yes, there is. Okay, fine. Do you want me to read you a quote? Yeah. Okay, great. Here's a quote from the book. Uh, I think Christy says it. Adults certainly are hard to understand. Sometimes they seem to have several faces. It's as if they own masks, and you know they own masks. Oh, yeah. But you can't always tell their masks from their real expressions. Yeah. Why do they make everything so complicated? Right. You know what's not complicated? What? The hand face. It is. It's a mask that this child is wearing. This child is living in a broken home. and She can't even express herself normally. Yeah. The way she shows happiness is by scrunching up her face and frowning. Right. Let's talk about bizzing. Okay, good. I have this under my section on semiotics, just in general. Yeah. Because like bizzing... Me me too, (laughs) obviously. Yeah, because bizzing is this thing that the kids of Mrs. Barrett do... It's like kind of like a middle finger. I think they just they put their their index finger up and they go. Bzzz. They I think it's like a gun. Yeah, it's a index finger pointed at someone with a thumb up, and you bring the thumb down as the hammer of a gun, and you say. Bzzz. And it has this incredible power. Yeah. Like people will biz, and the other people will just will start crying, burst into tears, burst into tears. It's, yeah. it's, it becomes a huge issue. There's a whole segment of the book where Marianne babysits the Impossible Three. Don doesn't have too much trouble with them, but all the other babysitters can't fucking do it. Which is to me is that they can't accept Jesus into their lives. <laughs> uh huh. I think that's what's going on. Okay, there. I buy it. Can I read you a quote about bizzing that yeah. I wrote down? Yeah. This is to me is about how incredibly powerful this is. This may be how a war gets started. One day, a world leader pokes another world leader in the ribs and says, nya, nya, nya. That doesn't happen. The second world leader begins to cry, and suddenly their that countries happen. are fighting each other. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a misunderstanding on Dawn's part, because she thinks world leaders are children. It's a chilling, it's a chilling description of cultural misunderstandings across When was this, when was this um, book 
published? We've been saying 1986 for every one of these books. I think it was 1986. Yeah. Heart of the Cold War. Anna Martin doesn't even need to bring it up because it's just like, it's, it's in the background of yeah. everything she's thinking about. In every one of these books, there's a deep subtext of all the things we were panicking about in 1986, 87, like the AIDS epidemic, the Cold War. Right. What else was happening? Just busying. Busying. Everybody's busying each other. Ham face. Um, can I just give an anecdote about busying? Please. And my wife, yeah. who I love very much, yeah. um, will occasionally start telling stories. Whom to me, I love very much. Whom I love very much. Yeah. Will start telling me stories without first capturing my attention. Mm-hmm. If I'm like looking at my computer or doing something on my phone. Man, I can fucking identify with that. She'll just start you're telling literally me. always looking at your computer or doing something yeah. on your phone. Way to compare our relationship uh-huh. to my relationship with my wife. Uh-huh. As if we don't <laughs> spend enough time and do enough things together. All right. Anyway, looking at my phone, mm-hmm. playing on my computer. She fails to capture my attention first. And she'll just begin talking to me, telling me a story. Been there. She doesn't have me. Nope, I know. But she'll finish the story and expect me to react. Uh huh. And for a long time, the way I would react was just to go without looking up from whatever I was doing, (laughs) which is just the quickest and most static way I could figure out of communicating that I recognize that you're talking to me. Uh huh. Nothing's coming in, but that's okay. I understand that you're talking to me. So Just for you, busying is like a broken signifier. Yeah, it's and like she's a signifier divorced from context. It is made busying has made her so angry mm-hmm. that I've had to stop doing it. I totally understand and empathize with that, and start paying attention and oh, man. cherishing my wife for the beautiful, loving being that she she's is. She's not going to listen to this fucking podcast, dude. I love you, Jamie. <laughs> Do you want to talk about Dawn's title? Yeah, what was it? It's terrible. It's terrible. So Dawn is the new babysitter. Dawn was introduced in the last book as a random friend of Marianne's, and now she's just like right up in the babysitter's club, major player. Yeah, she's got corn cob hair. She's got her own point of view. And not only does she have her own point of view, but this book is basically only about Dawn. The other babysitters just make cameo up. That's not true, man. Not to poke a hole in your whole thing and, okay. and totally derail, derail what you're saying. Just as I was getting going. I'm going to go grab another Bev. Okay, great. All right, so I'm gonna. I'm just gonna just fill fill some time. All right, great. Do you uh, want one? Yeah. Why not grab me one of these delicious German pilsners? We watched a great German TV show today. It was called Tatort, and pe- uh, people in Berlin go to bars to watch the new episode of Tatort every Sunday, and have been doing so for like thirty years. It's a German institution. Right. It's uh, the most popular German TV show. It's been on since the '70s, and it is essentially a CSI style crime procedural and you and I watched it because we had nothing better to do yeah and we watched it in German with no English subtitles or voiceover and neither of us speaks German yeah and it was a really good experience it was a good experience it just seems to me like an hour and a half long it was an hour and a half like I feel like this is probably true of anything that lasts for 30 years they barely even try to solve crimes yeah like at the beginning like someone is drowning and they're like, oh, I wonder who drowned him. And then the rest of it is just like the detectives like fucking each other. Yeah, drinking, lamenting their dead children. Yeah. And just fucking one another. <laughs> it's a lot like the Babysitter's Club books in that oh, way. Man. Which have also have been a rich tradition for 30 years. What a good segue. Let's talk about Mr. Spear and Mrs. Porter. <laughs> 
Wow. Shit, that was a good segue. I didn't even mean it. Oh, you nailed it. So Mr. Spear is Marianne's dad, yep. and Mrs. Porter is Dawn's mom. If you listen to the last episode, we talked about this a little bit. Dawn moves into town with her mom. Who's recently divorced. Who's recently divorced, and her mom is like, I'm moving back to Stony Brook from... Where? Who knows? California. From California. You've oh, yeah. said it a thousand times. I know where times. they're from. Okay. I, for some reason, I was like, I know that Dawn is from California, but I was like, oh, I wonder where her mom is from. Okay. Because, and you know what? This is because Dawn acts like she's like 40. Dawn does not read as a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. She does not read as a 12-year-old girl. Why she, do you think that? She's so responsible. Yeah. She's so responsible. And, and matronly. And like late in the book, she sits down. So Mrs. Barrett is the parent of these kids. Yeah. God, how am I going to wrap up all these threads? I'm, I'm just, I've got I'm just so riding many, wave, man. I've got I'm just, I'm just, so many threads to wrap up. Yeah. Mrs. Barrett is the parent of these kids yeah. that are troublesome, and she is not a good mom to them. No, but she is exceptionally attractive. She's beautiful. Yeah. It's described many times. She's yeah. gorgeous. She's a supermodel. Did you, you know who I pictured when I thought of Miss, Mrs. Barrett? Do you know those weird 80s um, art prints that are like uh, women who are very 80s and it's like a lot of neon colors? Like Lichtenstein? Maybe it's Lichtenstein. Like it's like comic art? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who I picture when I think of <laughs> Mrs. Barrett. Yeah. She's always described in very 80s fashion yeah. and like very big hair. Yeah, she's got a nice perm and like shoulder pads. Right. Yeah. That's who I picture. Legs that go on forever. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a direct quote. That's that's not a direct quote. Why would Don ever say that? That's the weirdest thing for a thirteen-year-old girl to say. Okay, all right. I'm gonna try to bring it back. Good luck, man. All right, I've I've got it. Don has this conversation with Mrs. Barrett at the end, where she's like, "Mrs. Barrett, uh, I'm your babysitter. Do you want to role play? You're, yeah. Okay. Who right. do you want to be, Don or Mrs. Barrett? I'm gonna be Don. Okay, I'll be Mrs. Barrett. Oh, hello, Don. I'm sorry. I just got back from my another job interview. I'm not sure I'm gonna get it. Mrs. Barrett. Yes. Listen to me. Yes. I know that your legs go on for fucking miles. Thank you, Don. I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm into men and I'm into older men. I know you're. I know you're gorgeous, and I know you're. Uh, uh, Thank. I'm not interested. Available. I'm really not divorcee. interested. I'm not interested. But you're a you're a beautiful young girl. But I think you're better off dating a young man. Mrs. Barrett. I'm not interested. What's your first name? Esmeralda. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. It's revealed. You can call me Esme. Okay. It's fine. God. Not interested, though. God, that is so, that is so sexy. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Wait, where did this, okay, hang on. All right, let me pull, let me pull it back. Reset, let's reset, let's reset. <laughs> okay. okay. Hello, Don. It's me. Hi, Mrs. Barrett. Uh, yes. I'm a 12-year-old girl. Yes. Not interested. <laughs> um, hey. Yeah. I'm not the mom of your fucking children. No, I am. Yeah, you you're the mom of your children. Yeah. You didn't leave the number of where you were going to be when you left, and you didn't fucking tell me that one of your kids is allergic to chocolate. Okay. And Is one of my kids allergic to chocolate? One of your kids is allergic to chocolate. Ooh, I'm glad one of us figured that out. I know you're frazzled right now, yeah. but I am a babysitter, and yeah. I'm 12, yeah. and you cannot expect me to be a mother to your children. Don, yes. you're a mature woman. Yes. Let's think this through. Yeah. I am out earning money. Yeah. For my family. Okay. And I can't give you... And keep in mind, I'm a beautiful woman. I know. I know. You and don't I'm, have to tell me. I'm dressing very, very nice when I leave the house every day. And I'm out earning money for my babies. 
and I can't give you a specific number. Do you even I know am. their names? Buddy. Uh huh. Marnie. Yes. Susie. Yes. Yes. As I would expect a mother. Let's Occam's razor this. Okay. I am a beautiful woman. Yes. Going out every night. Every single night. Dressed. To the nines. Impeccably. Yeah. Meeting with people. Bringing those legs right with you. And I can't give you a specific place or number where I'm at. Right. What do you think is happening, Don? You're a smart young woman. Job interviews. Is that what you think? Yeah. You think I'm going to job interviews? Yeah. And I'm coming back every night with a wad of cash and handing it to you. <laughs> That's unstated. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I guess so. For, for your babysitter. But not too. enough, right? At the end of the book, I agree to pay you extra. You beg me. Oh. Wait, now this role no. play is getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> this role play is getting weird. <laughs> All right, let me let me pull it back. Like you and I can't both like look one another other in the eyes and just be like, ugh, and bite our lips. Because then it gets weird. Oh, I don't know. Is this? Is it Berlin? It's Berlin. It's <laughs> late at night. Some, it's just everybody's super chilled out here. Uh, and Mrs. Relaxed. Barrett's a escort in Stony Brook, man. Well, maybe she's going to. She's like she's taking the she's taking a train into. Maybe the she's city. going to Danbury. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe she's going to. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna. All right, I still got this. I've got. I've, I'm holding all of the little threads. Yeah. And I'm gonna walk them. Was all that down. role play helpful or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really helped. Here's what the point that I was making is about Mr. Spear. You were making a point? Oh, I was, no, I was telling a tale. <laughs> so as we know from last week, yeah. Don moves to Stony Brook from California with right. her mom. Yes. And it turns out that her mom and Marianne's dad, years and years ago when they were in high school, yeah. had a passionate summer of romance and love. Yeah, do you want to role play? No. Okay. Just, no, just I, throwing it out there. Um, I, I'll be Mr. Spear. Okay. Uh, have you read... Camus, because <laughs> <laughs> he's always quoting he was Camus. Born and raised in Stony Brook, Connecticut. <laughs> yes, obviously I've read Camus. It can never work. It can never work. It can never work, Mrs. Porter. Best Fiends is a free-to-download, casual, mobile puzzle game with literally yep. thousands of levels that is boredom's yep. worst nightmare. And yep. uh, if you guys don't remember, Tanner and I have been engaging in a friendly competition yep. uh, between my group of fiends, uh, the Jack's, Jack's Jumping Jerks, 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 Jumping Jerks, and Tanner's Tiny, Tiny Ticklers. ticklers. Yep. Um, and up until now, we've had some difficulties because while I have been playing through the game at quite a clip and advancing uh, and binging on the game and advancing mm-hmm. from level to to level uh, and enjoying more levels, events, and challenges that are added all the time. Um, Tanner, you've tended to have trouble um, getting your phone started. My phone wasn't working, but yeah. I have gotten it to work, Jack, okay. and I've, I've, I feel like I've caught up with you in Best yeah. Fiends. Um, okay, that's great to hear. And I'm really I'm, I'm here to engage with you on it and, and talk about kind of our experiences playing the game. I do love the game. I just had a lot of phone troubles up until now. Okay, well, I'm glad but you're back. But now I'm, I'm embracing it. I'm playing it. I'm having so much fun with it. I love it. Okay, well, I'll start. Uh, so one of my experiences playing the game that I really enjoy is um, I really like picking which fiends to use and oh, upgrading them that. and c- building a crack team as I go through the levels. My favorite is Mordecai. Okay, that's not one. It's my favorite fiend. What level are you on, Jack? I am somewhere in the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And yourself? Seven... 
70,000. Well, okay, that's a lot. They do have thousands of levels, uh, and they do have updates 000. all the time, so you can keep At playing as 70, much as you want. Yes. So yep. that's what level I'm on, and I am having a fun with it. It's me, it's Mordecai. Yeah. It's... Um, okay, that's not one of them. Well, maybe it's in the later levels. It's but, in the, and, you haven't got there yet. Uh, it says here, what makes you want to keep at it? That's a good thing. For me, it's just, it's binge-worthy, and it's like, it's bite-sized. You can just play like a little bit for like 10 minutes uh, when you've got, when you're waiting for the something, whatever. To me, it's the feeling it gives me, if you know what I mean. No. Oh, just binge-worthiness. It feels so good to play. Yeah. And uh, when do you play? Only at night, baby. Okay. (laughs) Great. Perfect. Um, Only at night. Okay, perfect. I'm starting to think that you still have not been able to get your phone started. I I really want to play more. <laughs> yeah. Jack, I do love the game. It's very fun, and we yeah. were competing, but I have so many phone problems. Is it possible that you're f- holding your phone upside down? Tried that. Yeah. Okay. You know you can hold your phone sideways, too? Yeah. <laughs> And I tried that as well because someone I was I was on the forums. I've been in touch with the makers of Best Fiends, and I just I, this is not their fault. I can tell you this is not their fault. And the phone. game is so fun. Yeah. I'm so interested in playing. Yeah. Okay. Have you tried turning your phone on? Oh, there's a button on that usually on the side. What do you mean on? Forget it. Uh, download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Holy shit. That's friends without the R. Best thing just lit up. Fiends. Okay. Well, this is great. Whoa. That's a lot of <laughs> notifications. <laughs> I guess he wouldn't call her Mrs. Porter. Susan, it could never work, Susan. Right. You know why? Your parents don't respect me. You know why? Because I'm poor. Right. I'm not right for you. I love you with the passion of a thousand fiery suns. Oh, it's like a Bruce Springsteen album. Yeah. But it doesn't work until this very week. You know why? Why? Because he's rich. He's rich. He owns his own law practice. Yeah. The Don's parents, who didn't approve of him, meet him at a barbecue, and they're like, uh, Mr. Spear, how are things going at like Johnson Johnson and Partners? And Mr. Spear is like, oh, I don't work there anymore. I left those I fools behind ages started ago. my own firm. And they're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about money. Yeah. And then they it's do gross. proceed to talk about money. Um, here's the point that I was making. Oh, man. I, I feel like it. we're just I'm so close. I want to read you a quote. Yeah. It just says this. Mr. Spirit and Don's mom. Yeah. Don is describing it. She's yeah. like, oh, man, they're spending a lot of time together. Out to dinner in the movies on Saturday night and then out to brunch the very next morning. <laughs> She glosses over the fact that Mr. Spears stayed over at their place. Yeah, of course they're fucking. They're modern adults, Jack. Don't be so weird about human sexuality. (laughs) Um, I briefly want to talk about the game. Well, we we were talking about Dawn's title. Yeah. It's terrible. Her title is Official Alternate Officer. Yeah. What the fuck is that? What kind of a business is this? O-A-O. O-A-O. It's not even C-level. No, it's O-level. And official and officer is redundant. Chief alternate officer is almost no, a thing. alternate is garbage. Alternate officer, the point is like, oh, Don can kind of let's do ro- everything. Let's really quickly role play. Okay. You and I are business elites. Great. We are at a LinkedIn meetup. Great. I come up to you. Yeah. I'm in a suit. Okay. Hello. Hello. My name is Rick Richington. 
Hello, Rick. Uh, my name is David uh, Davidson. Okay. What do you do, David? Uh, I work for a synergy corporation that tries to leverage social media uh, in the cyberspace. That sounds very interesting. It certainly is. Shall we shake hands? Sure. Great. What a firm handshake you have. Thank you. Great. Are you making a ham face? <laughs> Why don't you ask me what I do? Uh, what do you do, sir? I'm the CAO at Synertech. <laughs> Wow. Does that make sense to you? It certainly does. I'm the chief alternate officer. <laughs> does that sound powerful? Does that sound like the job a businessman like me might have? Uh, it certainly does. Can you describe to me what you do? Sure. I am part of a conglomerate of young women mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> who babysit uh, in Stony Brook, Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. And each of them has a specified role. Yeah. And if one of them is sick or can't make it, I fill in for them. I can be a treasurer, I can be a president, I can be a secretary, whatever you need me to be. I am the chief alternate officer, and I'm here for you. Wow, so you basically do everything. I am a jack of all trade and master (laughs) of all. Sir? Yes. May I have your business card? Can you? (laughs) All right. So it was just official that was a problem. You sold you sold me. It's a good title. CAO. Chief. Chief alternate officer. Yeah. And maybe she'll just she'll get there. Yeah. She's literally brand new to Stony Brook. I really like role playing. Yeah, I like role playing a lot too. Can we it's do good. another one? Um, okay. I I'll be Rich Richardson and you can be Mrs. Barrett. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there, Sailor, looking for a good time? I'm certainly not. <laughs> I'm the chief alternate officer at Synertech. What are you doing in my office, ma'am? I'm sorry, I'll leave. Wait a second. Are those your legs? (laughs) Did they ever end? This is getting too hot for (laughs) podcasts. Okay. Um, Uh, Come on, man. What do we got? What else we got? Well, I have some Freudian stuff I want to talk about. (laughs) Yep. I feel like last book was literally called Marianne and the Daddy Issues. No, it wasn't. And we didn't talk about Freud at all. We didn't need to because it wasn't called that. I just want to talk about the transference and parentification stuff that goes on in this book. This is all you've been talking about the entire episode. We get it. Like, Mrs. Barrett's irresponsible and Don is super responsible. Great. No. What's happening, this role reversal stuff is off the hook. Like, we talked last week... I think in a, in a way that was illuminating of your own personal life and psychology mm-hmm. about the dichotomy of the sitter and the sat and how sometimes the sitter and the sat are one. Mm-hmm. You're both baby and babysitter. In this book, they take that to the next level and all of these adults are projecting and transferring their parental roles onto the kids and vice versa. The kids are acting like adults. The adults are acting like babies. Do me like a favor. Babies. Name literally one adult-child relationship. Great. Other than Don and Mrs. Barrett, where this okay. happens. Mr. Spear and Don's mom, Mrs. Porter, are acting like little giggly teenagers, like Frenching and necking at the picnic. And that's Don not, that's and not role all the that's other babysitters, all the other babysitters are watching them like parents over a teen couple and like wondering about what's going on in their relationship. Mm. It's they've completely regressed. Mm. And I mean, that's the obvious one. Here's another one. The children of Mrs. Barrett. Yeah. Susie. Buddy. Marnie. Yeah. And Buddy are constantly dressing up like grownups. They play this game called Let's All Come In. (laughs) 
which is such a weird name for a game. It's a weird game. It's yeah. it's Faulty Towers. Yeah. It is a, a hotel sim. Yeah. It's awesome. I, I wrote down the quote, the description of it. It's called Let's All Come In. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the game is about guests who come to a big, fancy, old-fashioned hotel. Right. Karen always makes Christy, or the oldest person, the bell captain. Mm-hmm. Then she and Andrew and her friends take turns entering the lobby as hotel workers or exotic guests. Mm-hmm. Wealthy old women in furs, sea captains, and famous people. Oh, sounds right for a role play. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I feel like... We- do you want to we be hit our quota? Like we hit our quota. <laughs> the names of the famous people are Mrs. No Swimple. Yeah. Mr. Bill Capston. Yeah. And, and Mrs. Mysterious. Yeah. And Rick Richmond. <laughs> and Rick Richmond, the CAO <laughs> of Cinertech. A babysitting conglomerate. And he's just like, uh, Mr. Capston, can I have your finest room, please? I'll just take the business suite, please. Uh, oh, would you like to be introduced to Mrs. Noswimple? <laughs> no, thank you. Just the room. <laughs> All right, Mrs. Mysterious. Um, that's a good game. Yeah. Oh, did we t- go into how Buddy went missing? Yeah. Okay, this is actually a really important plot point. Do you want to talk it out? Real quick. Yeah. We, we're five books in. Mm-hmm. There's been a major felony level crime in Stony Brook, Connecticut, every single almost every single book. Also, it is apparently the occult capital oh my God. of Northeast America. They don't go into it too much, but Watson's attic is now haunted. Right. And Morbid of Destiny makes another appearance. Oh god, she does. Looking for she? perverted herbs and netherworld spices for her horrible concoctions it's terrifying it's like this moment where like christy is looking in the mirror oh yeah it's no like one spooky there. it's really spooky and then she looks again and more bit of death and i guess the mirror is probably a window yeah yeah they're playing uh oh she's like let's pretend that, let's pretend this window is a mirror right. which god this the significance of that like they're looking out at the world and all they see is themselves until they see this fucking witch. This black figure, like something out of a Japanese horror film, crawling yeah. through the window after oh, them. God. Give me coriander, children, and I will bake you a sweet it's treat. Terrifying. There's no reason to panic, Don says. There are a million reasons to panic in Stony Brook, oh Connecticut. There is still a copycat criminal on the loose. Never caught. Never the phantom caught. phone caller was never caught. There is rampant child labor laws being broken week yeah. in and week out. Oh my god. Well and this is this the There's worst a kidnapper. A kidnapper led off with a warning by the ineffectual There is a young police. pervert sitting in the bushes watching these girls as they babysit. Book two. I missed that part. That's uh Christie's new boyfriend, Alan Gray. Oh yeah. You're right. They're weird stalkers. Yeah. Yeah. This Arrested. town is like corrupt. Arrested. They it is like arrested. it is like a it is like a season of True Detective in Stony Brook, Connecticut, where there are Satanist perverts tying people to bed and like stealing their jewels and covering them in coriander and doing weird occult sex work on them. I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> Should we role play? <laughs> yeah. Do you want you want to role play it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> excuse me. To panic about M- Mrs. Mysterious. Uh, just. <laughs> I'm the I'm the CAO of an important company, and this hotel is not up to standards. I went into my room and there was a young man strapped to the bed, covered in coriander. I demand a new room. This town is is there's plenty of reasons to panic when a young boy goes missing in Stony Brook, Connecticut. Yeah. 
the entire town goes looking for him, and nobody. It's like an H.P. Lovecraft book. I feel like we need to describe this plot point. That is an actual, you know, just to say what happened. Do you want me to say it? Mrs. Porter is crazy, weird, fucking estranged husband. I just buzzed you so hard, and you didn't even catch it. That's the magic of a buzz. Wow, you just buzzed me? Yeah, and you didn't even catch it, because that's all it takes. Because you were looking me right in the eye while I was talking. I thought you were listening. No. (laughs) No way, man. You were gone. I was gone. You were gone. I should know by now, because your eyes glaze over. You talked for a full 30 seconds, and when you finished, I just looked you in the eyes, and I went, and you just kept talking. That's the magic of a buzzed, man. It's powerful. Wow. What did you call it? Semiotics? Yeah, semiotics, man. But this is, you know what that is? This goes, oh, I can't talk about hailing rituals again. I mean, you can. I won't. You won't. <laughs> it's We're also, we've been recording for, it is now midnight. Uh, it is now midnight in Berlin, Germany. Let's finish up. I just want to fucking, for the love of God, say what happens at the end of this book. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Porter's estranged husband shows up and kidnaps their child. Mm-hmm. While Donna's babysitting. Mm. Donna's babysitting, Buddy goes missing. Yeah. She loses her mind. Yeah. Where's Buddy? Everyone in the town is called. The police are called. Yeah. Jordan Pike Mrs. Saw Barrett to a stranger's car. Mrs. Barrett is nowhere to be found because she left the wrong fucking number for like wherever the hell she was. Cops are called. Right. Mr. Barrett eventually turns out to be the culprit. Right. And the reason that he did it is because Mrs. Barrett is constantly forgetting that it's his day for custody. Right. And he wants to teach her a lesson by taking the kid and having her freak out. Right. Which almost worked. Almost worked if it weren't for those dastardly (laughs) fucking babysitters. Right. (laughs) Should we talk about this? Do you like Dawn? How do you feel about Dawn? She's the new entrant. Do you accept her in the club? She's got corncob hair. Where do you rank her in the babysitters? How many many are we up to now? Five. We got five. Okay, Claudia, obviously, number one with a bullet. Claudia is number one with a bullet. All right. Number two. You're not going to like this. Uh, okay. Christy. Really? Yeah. I, is- I see myself in Christy, man. She's like this, <sighs> she's this anxious, like controlling, neurotic mess of a human being. She can't let people live their lives, man. She can't, can't, let, can't people let people live, live their, their lives, lives, man. I she- like Christy. She just like she's, and she's so, so good. Worried. She's, she's so, so competent. She's so worried that they're gonna take away. She's her, so like, competent. This modicum of power. That but then she, she had. figures out a way to hold on to it. <sighs> okay. All right. This is your list, man. This Number is your three, truth. Marianne. Okay. Number four, Dawn. Okay. Number and five, Mallory. <laughs> <laughs> Mallory has not been introduced yet. <laughs> no, but I get the sense she's going to. They hinted yeah. at it again this book. Number six, Stacy. Nothing. Throw it away. I mean, Stacy basically just doesn't what exist. I, yeah, she's she's like a shittier version of Claudia and Dawn mixed together. Move back to New York, Stacy. Move back to New York. All right, let me tell you real quick about Dawn's view of history. Yeah, here's a quote that Dawn says about her cool house, her yeah. old house that she lives in. New old. That's new old that's been around for a long time. She says people who saw the war of 1812 and the Civil War and the Emancipation Proclamation and the first airplane and the Depression and the first rocket ship. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Those people lived in that house. Don't oh. you think it's an arbitrary random group of things? That she I don't think up? so, man. I think I think what you're getting hung up on is War of 1812, which was a very significant moment in American history that most young people don't learn about. Well, I did some digging. 
Yeah. And the evidence is overwhelming. Okay. Why would she pick this random assortment of historical events? Very significant historical events. First airplane? Yeah. Invention? Great invention? Yeah. You know what's a great invention? Christie's? Great idea. The first Babysitter's Club book. Mm-hmm. The Depression. Mm-hmm. External forces affecting the economic livelihood of a society. Phantom phone calls. Mm-hmm. Claudia and the Phantom phone calls, the second Babysitter's Club book. Mm-hmm. War of 1812, an oppressive regime attacks America, and America has to fight back against it. The agency, the babysitter's agency. Okay. Book three, The Truth About Stacey. Yeah. Civil War. Yeah. Ooh, book four. We're suddenly fighting against ourselves. Marianne and the... The Babysitter's Club has this internecine struggle. Yeah. Marianne saves the day. Yeah. And then Emancipation Proclamation. You gotta, you gotta fix, you gotta fix America after the horrors of the Civil War. Right. Dawn and the Impossible Three. Dawn is bringing everybody back together. Yeah. I'm not gonna let you get away from this real quick. Um, first rocket ship. <laughs> <laughs> your, your theory almost holds up. Yeah. Except she mentions a sixth thing. Yeah. Which is the first rocket ship. I and actually, about you, that. you clipped the quote short. Yeah. Because she then goes on to talk about how. She suspects her house may have been a checkpoint in the Underground Railroad. Oh, she does. So there is a seventh thing. Well, there are a lot more books. Okay, but here's what I think about you've the first read them. I ship. haven't. What do you, what is the first rocket that was ship? A long time ago, but I think the first rocket ship. Yeah, is the fucking Babysitters Club finally Take, full with off. all five babysitters ready to go? It's the first airplane was like them getting their business idea together. Yeah. Now they have a C. A-O. They have a chief alternate officer. You want to know what I think? That They're going to get funding. They're going to get venture capitalists are starting to be interested. They're like, oh, wow, this is a serious operation. They don't just have a president. They've got a CAO. They know what they're doing. We're going to put a little angel investment in this operation. And now we have a rocket ship. This I've been isn't reading. an airplane anymore. This is a fucking rocket ship. I've been reading and watching, consuming uh-huh. a lot uh-huh. of literature lately. Uh-huh. The Babysitter's Club books? About the Flat Earth Theory. I know. <laughs> and most Flat Earth proponents believe that space does not exist, rockets do not exist, NASA is a lie. So maybe it has to do with the Flat Earth Theory? I mean, you've read the books. Do they get into Flat Earth? They don't get in. I think that this is, I mean, this is the 80s, so it's before they discovered that the Earth was flat. Yeah. <laughs> we're not convinced. <laughs> Keep in mind, we're not convinced. We, l- we only recently we're just, learned this. We're just skeptical about what we're being. What flat Earth. I feel like this is the context for this. It, like in case we end up leaving any of this flat Earth stuff in this episode, not likely. And a good and a good place a good place to leave it is right at the end after we tantalizingly <laughs> teased it at the beginning and then said nothing about it. This is a real theory that like <laughs> we've been recording for an hour. We can't get into flat Earth now. <laughs> I just, the context, I don't want to get into how it works. I just want to get into the fact that there is a large and growing group of people. Including rapper B.O.B. Including rapper B.O.B. Who genuinely believe that there is a vast international conspiracy to make us think that the world is spherical. Yeah. When in fact it is not. It is obviously flat. Obviously flat. That's all. Look it up on YouTube. Don't. Do not. Do not. not Look it up on YouTube. Look it up on YouTube. All right, we got to wrap this up. How about I say that again because you just fucking coughed into the mic? No, I didn't. I coughed away from the mic and I waited till you were done talking. Great. But go ahead and say it again, mom.
<laughs> mom who just edited four fucking episodes and knows exactly what it's like when some motherfucker coughs right in the middle of a nice transition. Yeah, I haven't edited any yet. I'm gonna wrap this up. You think it's picking? You're it scratching now. You're scratch. You're scratching into the mic. Do you think it's picking it up? Listen to me. Yeah. Bzz. <laughs> That's not the way buzz works. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I want to wrap this up. I want to say very briefly the one time, because every time I read these books, there's one moment that weirdly gets me in the feels and I kind of tear up. Oh, yeah. Uh, my tearful moment this week mm-hmm. was a weird one. Dawn goes to sleep and she has a dream that her mom marries Marianne's dad and that they're both at the wedding. And for some reason, that just like that just kind of got me. And then the next sentence, they're all wearing ski pants in the dream. Mm. And then it, I kind of pull back out of it right that's fine can i say my tearful moment yeah please none because i'm an adult man you're and an I adult man who just read five babysitters I don't cry at children's books <laughs> all right how about this moment when right at the end jeff don's brother shows up yeah with his camera oh to god surprise. That, did, that did got me that got me right in the feet. that got man. me he to surprise marianne oh, marianne started crying marianne pulled it together she's redecorating Shit. her no, room. no you're right no that was my tearful moment she's redecorating her room and fuck she, man like, you're right that was it the that one thing me. she she wants that she doesn't have yet for her perfect room decoration that she did with her dad after they made things up was a picture of her and her best friend's babysitter's club <sighs> And then right at the end of the book, Dawn's brother shows up with a camera to take a picture of all of them. And the Beautiful I, moment. I, I fucking lost it at that. It was a wreck. It was a wreck. Did you cry? No. No, I didn't cry. I don't cry. Listen, I want to be clear about this. I don't cry, yeah. but it, it, sometimes it, it starts to get me. I start to feel it a little bit. Yeah. And that's what happened right there, which was the end of the book and which, as a conversation, marks the end of this podcast. It's been a fucking pleasure. Great outro. <laughs> don't you dare don't you dare i'm the only one who's holding this together tonight <laughs> go ahead give me your line listen i've been jack shepherd i've been tanner green ring and this has been another episode of the babysitters club club next week we're going to be reading a Christie point of view book ow and i can't remember what it's called but it's a Christie pov i'm really excited about it it's been a pleasure doing business with you mm-hmm. thank you very much uh-huh Claudia is wearing a bra now. Uh-huh. And the way she talks, you think boys had just been invented. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. I think Helen means light. Okay. So I think this is a light beer. I'm going to turn you down a little. All right, now, okay. Did you okay. catch my belch? Excuse me? Did you catch my belch? Did the audio did um, it go through? Not only did I catch your belch, but I am often catching your belches when I edit these podcasts. <laughs> You're a good man. You're doing Yaman's work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>